Hi, welcome to Supervision with a Vision. Today, Heather and I are talking about disparities in counselor education. This week, we read Exploring Class Privilege in Counselor Education, published in Counseling Today 2021. Heather, there are a couple of different types of disparity that we read about in our article. And the first one is economic capital. Do you see examples of disparity within economic capital inside of counselor education? I definitely think so. I think that there is a big, wide gap between what it costs to go through Mm -hmm. grad school, and not just money-wise, I mean like time, effort, all those things, but Mm -hmm. also money, between that and different programs costing different amounts of money, but then also what you're actually getting from it, like when you're at the end of it. Well, I mean, think about it's always a give and take. But when KCREP has now set the standard that a KCREP accredited, accredited program right. is 60 hours, right. that really changed a lot of things. So there are unaccredited programs, which are not as expensive, but you also don't get the same thing that exactly. you get from a KCREP program. So it costs more to get the thing right. that helps you get farther. Right. And I think that goes into conversations now that maybe undergrad students are having about what school do I go to? What program do I choose to even mm-hmm. apply to? Mm-hmm. And it does matter. It, right. it, in the long right. run, and, matters. And it's a ripple effect. So it's not just the cost of tuition in school, but if you're in school 60 hours, a big mm-hmm. program like that, then you're not making full-time money somewhere right. else. That's a whole other part of what I see as economic disparity, that some programs are flexible enough for you to go part-time and then therefore be able to work. Right. Some programs are not flexible and expect their students to go to school full time and not work. Right. And the ability to live and go to school and not work is a luxury. Right. And there's so much that goes into, and this kind of probably goes into some more other categories, but like where those are located. If you live in a big city, I grew up very close to Los Angeles. I had lots of options and picked my program based off things that I had known about it, read about Mm -hmm. it, did all these things. Well, if I had been somewhere else, even in California, I may not have been able to do what I was able to do because of where I live. Yeah. Dallas-Fort Worth, where we're at, is a really good example of that, Mm -hmm. that we do have a lot of really good programs right right here. Right. And if you live in East Texas, just a couple hours away, you don't have a program available to you. Right. And if we're still talking about economic disparity, the cost of living in East Texas is less than it costs to live in Dallas. So not only do you have to, are you paying to go to school and you're also ultimately paying not to be able to work full time. Correct. You also end up paying more in order to live close to the place you need to be in order to go to school. Yeah, that's a lot of challenges that maybe would discourage people from going into a counseling program. Right therapy program. What about thinking still about economic disparity, unpaid internships or counseling graduates newly out of school that are making significantly less or compromising the type of jobs that they might take in order to have a paying job or to have a paying job that will pay enough? Right. Do you see a lot of that happening in your supervisees' decision-making? A lot of my supervisees have made decisions to take certain internships because at least they could work there. I have one, actually, that took a um, job, actually, at the same location where she was doing her internship. But the job part of her day oh. was like an eight-to-three type situation. And then mm-hmm. she was able to get hours and do part of her internship 
there yeah. until eight o'clock at night. But that's exhausting. Sure. That's a 12 hour day yeah. and you're only making money for maybe seven hours of yeah. it. Yeah. That is tricky. On one hand, I was thinking that's kind of nice or kind of a luxury that she could do all of those things at one place. Right. Or that at least a part of her day was, was being there. paid. Right. Yeah. What about, I have worked with associates or interns or supervisees, whatever we're calling them today, in the past that took a job that wasn't exactly counseling, mm-hmm. that they could count some of their work or right. some of their hours mm-hmm. as direct contact hours, but they were also doing something administrative or they were right. also doing something that, but like a case management position somewhere. Right. I um, have a supervisee at one point that took a job thinking that she was going to be able to count all these hours that she was doing towards her internship. And after several conversations, I said, no, you're going to be able to count about five to six hours a week mm-hmm. of this 40-hour job, mm-hmm. and that's just the way it is. Sure. Well, we ended up not working together anymore because I wouldn't flex on that. Yeah. But I think that's the standard of, like, I can't count sure. you doing these other so, things that are social work. Right. Well, I mean, give and take. Right. That, uh, again, that she was compromising. Right. Because she was going to go slower with her hours mm-hmm. or in order to get paid. Right. Which is reasonable, and but also making that decision means you have to know that you are compromising right. some things. Right. What about student interns? Mm-hmm. Did you get paid as a student intern? I did intern? not. Neither it did was, I. Yeah. I didn't. It may have not even been an option. Like, I don't know that they, mm-hmm. that we were allowed to be paid. I don't remember if the rules have changed or. I remember in my program, they had a school counseling track, but we were in classes a lot of times together with the school counselors as right. the community counselors. And so a lot of my peers were school counselors and I was so jealous. They all had jobs right, at a school, at school and had and so paid. they did get paid <laughs> right. yeah and I was wishing at the time that I was in a similar situation that I could have a job mm-hmm. and count my hours but you're like you're describing they didn't count all 40 hours of their whole week right. they counted a handful of hours right. out of the week but pretty nice they had mm-hmm. a job they had health benefits I think I consider this a, a different kind of economic capital the, the positions that I took, I agreed in my school internship, I agreed to take them knowing that in return, I was getting supervision from right. a registered play therapist supervisor. So there was kind of an economic benefit to right. me. It wasn't immediate and it wasn't cash, right. which at the time would have been, been really important, nice. Right. <laughs> but it still had value. Right. Had and value. certainly lasting value. It's right. definitely benefited me in the long run. Right. Do you think student interns should get paid? I think think that they should. Mm-hmm. I think that there is a notion of them putting in the work and that they, and I'm not saying they should be paid a ton of money. I just think, is mm-hmm. there space for them to be paid? Yeah. I think, mm-hmm. I don't think it needs to be the thing that they don't get paid. Yeah. I don't know. I, maybe that's a hard question for me. What if it depends on the setting that they choose? Right. Or the program that they right. run. I was fortunate enough to be at a program that had a counseling center, like a community counseling center. Mm-hmm. So and I know people that work there and even into their internship that just kind of stayed on. So mm-hmm. and when you were in practicum, you weren't getting paid. Mm-hmm. You were just there getting your hours. Mm-hmm. But if you were in your internship, you could get your hours. Oh, okay. I worked at a couple of different places during school, practicum and internship. And most of them were nonprofits or right. something. So my, my favorite location that I worked at was a large homeless shelter. Mm-hmm. They could not have run if they weren't running on volunteer right. help. Right. 
they would not have been able to provide the things that they provided. So in that case, I I don't know that I would, I was getting my play mm-hmm. therapy supervision, but I don't know that I would have expected or imagined that they could pay me. Right. That you, yeah. It mm-hmm. wouldn't have been even considered. Mm-hmm. Maybe some of the other places I worked at probably could have paid me. Right. Well, let's talk about Heather social capital. Is there mm-hmm. a disparity in social capital when it comes to counselor education? I think so. And I think in lots of different ways, like mm-hmm. lots of different angles to look at this. But I think one of the things to really consider is that the world of mental health has changed so much Mm -hmm. and it will continue to change. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have that flexible mindset, that social capital could really get like you could easily be offensive, even like thinking like someone, well, I only had to do 2000 hours. You have to do 3000 hours for your. Oh, so you're talking about counselors. In relationship with other counselors. Yes, counselor to counselor. Okay. Yeah. So between two counselors, maybe like different generations or different, yeah. even state to state, maybe. Right, probably. That you think they might not, what's, how would you describe that? That between those two different counselors, there might be a disparity. And how does that affect them? Well, I think it just gets, it can, if you're not open to them being, that valuing each other at different places in the world mm-hmm. that you're not seeing eye to eye on certain things. Cause you think one is less than the other based on their experience. Oh, okay. Well, I hadn't thought of it that way, but a concrete example of that, I think is the idea of an LCDC compared to mm-hmm. an LPC or right. an LMFT right. or a licensed psychologist. Right. So is that an example of what you're talking about? Yes. That an LCDC can't do the same things that it's not the same mm -hmm. and that socially they might not have the same clout right that's a good way to put it Mm -hmm. yeah um i was thinking social capital when i was going through grad school uh, i did this to myself i could have chosen an easier path (laughs) but i moved across the country okay and all of my social support was in dallas fort worth okay so I did it to myself. Mm-hmm. I took myself away from all of my social capital. Okay. And I felt it. Right. If I were sick, I was just sick. Right. If the car had a problem, I for sure picked up the phone and tried to call my dad, which is already right. something. That right. was already a support. <laughs> but he wasn't there to help me fix a flat tire. He mm-hmm. could maybe try and talk me through it. Right. There was no one around to help with the day-to-day. Mm-hmm. So it makes me imagine or appreciate somebody who's trying to go through this process and just doesn't have social support. Right. Doesn't Family, have. friends mm-hmm. that, that they might lean on. Mm-hmm. Your story actually reminds me of someone I knew in grad school, a colleague of mine now. But when she was going through grad school, it was a second career choice for her. Mm-hmm. And so everyone in her family, she was a fairly successful in her prior career. So everyone in her family really questioned like, why? Yeah. Why are you doing <laughs> what are you, this? What's happening? What, mm-hmm. Why would you do that? Why? And she tells a great story about her why. But I think it's important to consider like when people go into the mental health field, they're not, oh, people don't ring bells and get excited about it. Like people aren't like, yay, mm. you're becoming a mental health counselor. Yeah. They often are like, oh, yeah. Well, why? Well, I was, <laughs> I'm, though I moved away from all my support, I think my parents were like that. That's awesome. Yeah. I think they thought it it was like a good thing and Mm -hmm. I was excited about it. I know I've told the story before about the first play therapy conference I went to Mm -hmm. and that (laughs) for sure, my parents did not understand what it all meant or what it was about or what this conference, I'm sure they couldn't even now really picture what a conference like that (laughs) would look like or be like. But definitely as soon as it was over, if it ended at three o'clock, my mom called at 310 Mm -hmm. 
and said, how was it? What do you think? So right. really, what'd you learn? What'd you, yeah. Yeah. Pretty supportive. So you had a lot of support socially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there are definitely people, I mean, like change of career who would just go, well, this does not fit into our family plan or right. our financial plan. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Right. Could you do something cheaper or quicker? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before, though, you were talking about within our profession. Right. That there might be social disparity. Even so, think kind of applying what we just said about family and friends, that there might be other professionals who are less supportive of mm-hmm. new counselors mm-hmm. or, oh, I hadn't thought of this as an example. But when I was going through my graduate, my master's program, I picked that program because it had play therapy classes. Ah, yeah. And that's that what is wanted. what I wanted to right. do. And back then, now there are lots of universities that have play therapy tracks, but then there weren't. Right. And when I was creating my degree plan, I included those extra classes in Mm -hmm. there. And even the even the professors (laughs) in the program literally had two sit down conversations with me, like (laughs) made appointments and had me come to their office to say, don't do that. Why are you adding those extra steps? Yeah, you just finish, Mm -hmm. just get the degree and move on. And if you want this extra training later, you can get it. And stubborn me went, (laughs) "Uh, no, that's why I came here. Right. I I picked the school for this. Yeah, I came here here to do this. So I'm going to do this. So I hadn't thought of it in that way, but that's a whole nother lack of social support. Yeah. Can you think of other examples of where within our profession, we might not always be supportive? I can share an experience of my very first time talking to a psychiatrist for a client. Mm. (laughs) And I'm not trying to throw a psychiatrist under the bus here, but he truly did not value that counseling was going to do anything. He was very, Mm. very medically minded that we just needed to adjust this teenager's medication and she would comply. And I was very much saying she is overmedicated. And he was saying, who are you to say she's overmedicated? You know, it was mm. this back and forth, back and so forth. not valuing what you do or valuing your professional right. opinion. Right. And really, now I have psychiatrists that I work with all the time that I like, that I mm-hmm. enjoy. But he was very staunch in his like, we just got to change this chemical makeup and make it better. And I yeah. was like, you're breaking her. Stop medicating her. Yeah. <laughs> so like, it was a back and forth. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The Coaching Conversation 2024. This podcast is 100% dedicated to leadership and leadership within the workplace coaching area. We work with companies throughout the world teaching leaders how to coach their employees. This podcast is dedicated to teaching specific strategies, frameworks, coaching models, and now artificial intelligent strategies to help leaders Drive greater teamwork, collaboration, cooperation, greater attitudes, better motivation, coaching career development, just to name a few. I hope you'll check out our podcast. Yeah, that is hard. I think that happens daily. I'm sure. Yeah. Hopefully not in a crummy way. Right. Hopefully sometimes in a really positive, right. uplifting way. Right. But that in our collaboration, there's the potential to create mm-hmm. social disparity. Maybe even to, I think it can happen in supervision sure. where there's some discussion of this way or that way, this choice or that choice. And you could easily trump your supervisee and say, no, actually I've been, this, I've been doing this longer. So that's right. the answer. And then that affects the profession, right? That we right. don't grow as a profession and, and improve ourselves, but it also creates correct social disparity. What about Within a a counselor education program, I think this is what you're talking about before, creating a situation undue of undue hardship. Oh, yes. 
Yeah, I think that could easily happen without, mm -hmm. with the best of intentions. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that could create a hardship for lifestyle, livelihood, right? Mm -hmm. If you're trying to balance all those things, I can't think it also links into economic. It goes back up yeah. to economic. But I was thinking, I don't know if this, my example is about economics, but I was thinking even maybe this is a very small example mm -hmm. that, well, I had to write a 20 page dissertation. So you have to write a 20 page right. dissertation. Okay. Or, well, I had, my internship was unpaid, so, so yours, you right, deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe there's lots of those types of examples. And, mm -hmm. well, that's how what I had to do to earn my stripes. Right. And so this is it's what's only expected. fair. I will tell you, even when I was in grad school, which was a really long time ago, I did have a professor say, when you're doing your internship, it's nose to the grindstone, like just uh -huh. go, go, go. And like, you just do what's expected of you. Like you, he really was of that mindset of like, you just get in and go and don't expect anything. Don't have expectations. Just yeah. go do your work. I remember um, working on my PhD. I went and spoke to the Dean of Students oh. and she was known by her. She was well-loved by mm -hmm. the student body. She had a nickname and people called her lovingly by right. this nickname. And I had never met her. I was really scared to go talk to her. And when I talked to her, she was so lovable and genuine. Mm -hmm. And what she said to me with real, with genuine emotion, she was sad. And she said, getting a PhD is about who can suffer the longest. Oh, wow. And she said, it's not fair. It's not okay. Right. But this is what higher education is. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I mean, oh. <laughs> and she went, Ugh, right. that she recognized it was part of the system that she was a part of that she did not right. like. But it says something about our social mm -hmm. system. That's how right. higher education is right. organized. The last type of capital that we're talking about today, cultural capital. How do we see cultural capital reflected in counselor education i think when it comes to this you don't get and this is different depending on again where you are right mm -hmm. and then what your like makeup is culturally but also you may not have those it may not be a culture of supporting mental health counseling like it may not be something that's valued at mm -hmm. all i ran into a friend or not really a friend a mentor somebody i had worked with when i was a lot younger and i was married and had a baby and we ran into them at a restaurant and he said, what are you doing now? And I had stood up already to hug his wife. And I said, oh, I'm a counselor. And before I could say anything, I mean, counselor barely rolled off my lips. And before I could say anything else, he hugged me and he said, you're old enough now to own the camp. And I was like, what? Like I had no, like it was so, it was like a dagger in a way, but in the same time was like, but you're serious. Like you're not making a joke. You don't know what it yeah. can, but just complete disconnect that like I was even in the mental health field. Yeah. I think I would have thought the same thing. Was that a joke? Right. Are you for was real it, right now? Well, or is that yeah, I don't know. I oh. don't know how I would have responded. But I think it's yeah. one, of the, one of the things about where like for a long time, and now mental health has changed a lot mm -hmm. and it's very acceptable now. Most of my high schoolers' friends talk openly about, well, my counselor, blah, 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 blah. True. So yeah. it's widely accepted yeah. where it wasn't before. But I think that has to do with where we are. Yes. Loc uh, where, Location. Where we're located. Right. I'm now, I'm remembering, it's been a handful of years now. I had a student, her family was Middle Eastern. Mm -hmm. And she talked a lot about that in her family, the expectation was that she get a higher degree. Okay. 
education and she was the youngest and she had siblings that had already Mm -hmm. done this. And that while this was an advanced degree, her parents were not. Oh, right. They're not supportive. Mm -hmm. So that's the social part. I mean, I guess economically, they were very supportive. Right. Mm -hmm. Socially, they were not supportive. But she also talked about that culturally, that if she were to go home to her extended family, that they didn't understand. Right. And that even mom and dad would translate it differently it, into different words right. so that maybe they could understand or make the connection differently. Mm-hmm. And that she would, she was trying to explain mom and dad translate, but mom and dad translate in a way that sounds better. Oh yeah. Makes it like right. pumps it up a little. Right. So she struck the entire time I knew her, she kind of struggled with, should I continue down this path mm-hmm. or is it just not, it's just not valued or appreciated right. or, okay, I finished this degree and is it then going to be valued or appreciated right. or will the same people still not understand or still not value mm-hmm. what she's doing? Right. So I think that's possible. But yeah, you're right. Culturally, I think there's a big shift in the United States and it's far more accepted, but there are certainly still pockets mm-hmm. of places that don't understand or it's not as widely right. accepted. What about, I think this is both cultural and economic, that you're as a mental health provider, you won't with an advanced degree that takes 60 hours. Right. You're probably not going to make as much money as right. I think I have a friend that's a nurse. And I remember we were both in grad school about the same time. And she finished a lot quicker than I did. Of course. Yes. And she makes very good money. Right. <laughs> so was a big mm-hmm. different. It feels mm-hmm. different. So even col- I think that's both cultural and economic. Right. But culturally, our culture does not value it in the same way. And so we probably are not going to make as much money as someone with a comparable degree or a different degree. Right. It will be interesting to see how all the current things happening in our world, mm. uh, pandemic wise and all of that impacts how mental health is viewed and seen. Sure. If there's a shift or a change in that, right. that would be interesting. So our last point, something to think about, Heather, what do we do with all that? We as supervisors, you and I, part of the counseling community, knowing that there is disparity in these different areas, what do we do? I think for sure we talk about it. Mm-hmm. We bring it up with our supervisees. Mm-hmm. We acknowledge it. And I think we have to take more of a stance in feeling mm-hmm. certain, like when we see it, to call it out, to kind of mm-hmm. say, well, that's really an economic disparity. Yeah. That's a huge difference. Yeah. And and to be able to be that voice, I think, is the action we can take. You know, I, in some cool ways, if you're not here in Dallas-Fort Worth listeners, in Texas, our licensing boards are doing that right, right. now. Have you noticed? Right, yes, In some are. cool way, mm-hmm. in many, and not just one way, but a couple of different facets that over the course of our podcast, our licensed professional counselors have right. changed their name to to be more in line with valuing the mm-hmm. expertise. So students finishing school and just getting their provisional license used to be licensed professional counselor interns. Right. And in the last six months? I think it's been six months, yeah. They are now licensed professional counselor associates right. for the purpose of changing some of this cultural and social right. disparity. Right. I think it's great. I think that it's always been strange to me because I've been an LMFT and I've always mm-hmm. had associates mm-hmm. and I've always referred back to them as interns because people would be like, yeah. what is what an associate? Mean? What is yeah. that? Okay, well, they're like an intern. But again, that 
muddies the waters for people actually understanding. Well, right. they have completed their degree. They're working sure. on getting full licensure. Yeah. They are valued. Mm-hmm. Another thing that our uh, state board is looking at, I'm sure you've seen this too, is that they're at least discussing or looking at that licensed professional counselor associates cannot be in business for themselves. Yes, I've seen that. Pop and up. for a long time now, licensed marriage family therapist associates mm-hmm. have had the ability to be in business for themselves. And they're discussing or considering, is that important? What's the right. advantage of that? What's the purpose of that? I'm glad they're at least discussing it. I think it's a good think, discussion. Yeah, I think, I don't know where I fall in I think I making go back that and decision. Forth. Yeah, so... <laughs> But good to have have those discussions started right. and that people are considering them and looking at them. Well, so maybe that's what we're right. talking about. And a lot of this is happening because they're now kind of having an umbrella board situation mm-hmm. for professional counselors. Mm-hmm. So some change, like some changing kind of happening globally. Some change has allowed us to look at these different aspects, economic, social and cultural capital yep. mm-hmm. in our field. So. Very good. It's a cool thing and good discussion to be having. So thanks today for listening to Supervision with a Vision.